This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. In this episode, let's sit down with Nav Bachech, who boasts an impressive CV, having worked at both Microsoft and Amazon, to talk about his work with various SV area startups. Nav goes into detail about his work with developing Microsoft Office apps, utilizing add-on and API functionality in standard Office applications, and he discusses the issues with developing systems that aren't considered cool, but are highly valued by those that use them. Nav also reflects on his career, particularly what he's learned with regard to scalability. Scale has a zillion different dimensions, he says, while going on to discuss the difficulty to scaling the recruitment process. In summation, we need a consistent culture, one that values excellence in engineering. Nav, it's good to have you on. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Could you just give a maybe a two or three minute you know, background story of, of yourself and your, your work and uh, what you're interested in these days? Uh, sure. Um, so I started out with a degree in computer science, um, went through um, some big tech companies over the years, um, worked at Microsoft for a while, and then Amazon AWS for a while. Uh, and the last several years have been um, working on it right here in California on, on startups mostly. So um, it's been, uh, I guess, three different startups in the, in the past five years. Um, and um, so yeah, that's that's the background. Typically, managing uh, engineering uh, for you know, teams of anywhere from ten to fifty people. You know, a million things to unpack with uh, growing, scaling, maintaining engineering teams. Uh, off mic, we talked Definitely. a little bit about some of the office uh, office app work that that you've been doing. I, I love the topic. I'd love if you give a little color to that. We can dive in. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I mean, typically most. Uh, most times when you talk about an app, it's, you know, a traditional web app using whatever React, Angular, whatever framework you have, talking to some backend and presenting a nice GUI to the user, making it easy to use. Sometimes it's a, it can be a mobile app as well, sold on the iOS or whatever. Uh, and, and those are the predominant sort of models for how people think of apps. The Office apps thing is a little different in that, you know, Office itself um, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, or, or even Google Docs, um, uh, it presents such a, a familiar paradigm for most users uh, that one of the things that I've had the luxury of doing in the past few years is, is actually building apps that are embedded as add-ins within this environment. So instead of presenting the user, uh, you know, separate self-contained app in the browser or in their mobile device, it's like, hey, they're already in Office, probably, you know, doing something that they were updating their spreadsheet or uh, their Word document. Why not bring in the business functionality into that through add-ins? And um, that can work really well for sets of power users who want to do more things with uh, Word or Excel or Google Docs, uh, as the case may be. Yeah, I, if I still do any hacking, it's it's around you know Google Apps scripts and trying to write my own functions in uh, you know uh, Google Sheets yeah. to you know create new and interesting uh, calculations or you know formulas. And I've gotten pretty far from code, but you know that's that's still a lot of fun. And and I find it you know I'm, even as a guy who hasn't coded in quite a while, you know that that I can still hack together what I need from 
from the documentation. It's, it's a very rich ecosystem. Uh, Microsoft Office offers you know a tremendous amount there, and, and I do think you're right that there are business opportunities to meet the user where they are and mm-hmm. to to develop more things in that category. Other than that, I'm not super familiar with it. What what are the what are the what's the space look like? You know, and and what's been your experience there on what worked and what didn't. Um, so I think uh, it, it tends to work really well when the user has a very sort of specialized need. So um, w- w- working at Certain, uh, that's one of the things uh, that, that Certain is one of the companies that you know I've worked with, and what they provide is essentially add-ins in, in Word and Excel that allowed accountants to access specialized accounting data. So there's taxonomies that you know you present. Uh, tagged data to the SEC with when you're filing your annual reports and such. So most of that work happens right inside a fairly complicated document that's, you know, scrutinized pretty heavily from a legal and financial perspective. So rather than take them out into a completely different app, we sort of kept them in there and brought in all the business functionality that they needed for the tagging and the taxonomies and all the financial information that they needed and pulled that in into the document via just an add-in in office. So so that's kind of... uh, other thing. Another example is um, at Bedrock Analytics, which is uh, you know, the company I also work with now. Uh, it, what they do is uh, they have very specialized sales presentations uh, that they want pulled directly into PowerPoint. So rather than take the user out into this web app where they're you know trying to find the visualization they like and then do a screenshot of that and pull that into PowerPoint eventually, wouldn't it be nice if you just gave them the PowerPoint directly instead. So those are the kinds of uh, apps uh, that I think work really well because it's a fairly specialized application and the end game is to produce this office deliverable in the form of a doc or a spreadsheet or a presentation. And uh, you make it so that the user just sort of starts and ends their business process right inside that application. And does it become portable then? You know, you're obviously using some kind of API or maybe even, you know, direct database connection for, for things of that nature, um, does it then turn the, the yeah. office document into uh, sort of required to be online type of thing? Um, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. So the, the, a lot of that depends on the architecture. So I think what, what we do is, um, I, I mean, good architecture still applies even in these uh, application environments. So you still want your APIs and, you know, secure access and all those things in the back end. But given that you're operating inside uh, Word as an add-in, and there's many different technologies. You could use Vista, you could use Office JS, you could use some of the older legacy technologies. So there's, that technology stack has evolved quite a bit over the last several years. Um, and uh, so you, you still keep your separation uh, in terms of having a clean backend. You just sort of pull that in into the Word document, and then you can save locally or on the cloud. Uh, and you, you essentially have these options. So architecturally, you're not particularly limited. Uh, except um, that you sort of, most of your development happens inside the context of a single Word document or a single Excel document. It almost seems like the paradigm is, you know, where the browser has now become almost the de facto container for development that that you're really saying, hey, you know, there's these other applications that, that behave in a similar context that you can do some really exciting things with. Uh, particularly anybody who maybe is interested in approaching, you know, a large or, or enterprise size market, because you just know that Office 365 penetration, you know, on the corporate desktop 
is tremendous. And so you don't really need to think about taking people maybe out of the, the specialized SME workflow that they're used to. And there's, there's an entrepreneurial exactly. opportunity there. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that a lot of people maybe are aware of that, despite Microsoft probably, you know, trying to make people aware of it. And certainly Google add-ons are a big deal now. And there's, I mean, these are marketplaces and they're, they're really, um, Absolutely. app stores, you know, but just with a different, it's not a phone, it's a business application. Um, maybe talk about, you know, that the economics and the, you know, sort of the understanding there around how, um, entrepreneurs, you know, could, could really think differently about solving business problems with this, this tool set. Uh, yeah, so certainly, I mean, you, you can uh, sell your add-ins uh, on the marketplace, but I think the most popular model I've seen uh, for that uh, that works pretty well is like it's typically tied to a SaaS service. So the add-in itself is a free download, but then, you know, you log into authenticated sessions with a SaaS service on the back end that's providing the kind of data or the, the kind of data manipulation that's happening inside the, the, the add-in. So that's the most common um, uh, paradigm that I've seen. And that's, you know, that that's kind of what um, I've built also over the years. Um, and then, you, you, you know, once the add-in is in, you can use it to manipulate the content uh, of the Office document, uh, or you know you can provide a task pane that allows the user to do specific business processes, and you know that might be interacting with uh, external data, pulling in that data, and pushing it straight into the content. And uh, you can do things like you can add commands that you know uh, augment the toolbar inside Office and things like that to 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 call out the specific business functionality that you're providing in the in, in the application. So it's really um, it's kind of like a growth vector. Then you know people could I, I know for example a lot of folks would want to be I don't know in the the Salesforce you know marketplace because if I can interact with Salesforce you know and have distribution it's it's really a a growth channel to be able and available to do these things because it causes more demand. Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, it, it certainly is a growth channel. And to the extent that those marketplaces thrive, and you know, people start looking for more kinds of apps and things on them, uh, it, it hopefully continues to grow. Because I think for a power user that you know wants to start with, I mean, you want to analyze stock history, um, and you know, there's a hundred different websites that present canned graphics that show you, you know, here's the history for this stock. And but if you think of something unique that you want to do. Uh, as in maybe I've got this Excel sheet set up to do something like that. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if I could actually have a little uh, add-in that sort of plugs into Excel and pulls in the data I want, but then lets me work in Excel and do any sort of other magic that I want to do in Excel by myself? Because a lot of power users want to do that sort of thing. And having these add-ins allows them to you know, pull in data and access these back-end services that otherwise may or may not be. Right, and you're, Excel. you're really going to be meeting the user where they are, which is the paying user. They want to do those exactly. things. They want to be enabled. Uh, and you know, the, that paradigm in financial services and um, you know, advisory is a, is a really good example that you know, I've got to, if I'm, I don't know, CFA or, or CFP, right, I, I want to be able to have access to those tools and yet present them in a, a non-web context to potentially non-technical users who have a lot of money that I manage. And I, I imagine there's right. tons of use cases for that in, you know, in healthcare or in financial or, um, you know, other other scenarios that that, that data 
access is yeah. valuable. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you, you, you can use it as a very legitimate point to sort of do integration uh, and, and, you know, and leave behind your sales presentation, say, for the customer after you've used it to pull in the data from any backend seats, uh, any backend systems that you're talking to. So integration is actually a very common scenario in these. Uh, so, I mean, let's take on the sales case uh, or the sales example where let's say I'm trying to integrate Salesforce data on the back end and try and push it into a PowerPoint slide. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I've, I've got the ability to manipulate the content in my PowerPoint slide in my add-in. Uh, I've got a task pane that calls out to my web APIs in there uh, and pulls in the latest data from, say, Salesforce, which talks about you know, uh, closed deals or wh- whatever I'm trying to present uh, to, to my client. Uh, pull in the latest, greatest data, build the PowerPoint with the right template that is specific to the client I'm presenting to, uh, and you know, get all the things that I might want to you know present in that single PowerPoint, and then hand them that PowerPoint on my way out the door. So the the application really through these task panes and content editing and uh, you know the new commands you've added to there uh, allows you to sort of do a leave behind for the customer that is highly customized to them and pulls in the latest greatest data that uh, your backend systems are sort of uh, providing for you. Why do you think young startups maybe don't? use this very much i mean it certainly isn't the most requested thing i mean everybody thinks you're going to do your own data visualizations in the browser you know maybe you have uh export to tableau or you know something of that nature other bi tools um and yet this stuff has the most ubiquitous user base probably you know on the planet and um this isn't happening as much. Is that a, a failure of you know marketing from I don't know Microsoft or something <laughs> or you know where do how do you tie this together? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I guess um, part of it is is it just hasn't been the cool, sexy thing that developers go after. All the the action, if you will, has been on the cool new you know web libraries uh, and. Uh, um, you know, on the mobile side too, with, you know, iOS and Android and things like that, there's been a lot of like cool factor to that. And office has kind of been this thing in the back that, you know, that's what the accountants use or like, you know, cool developers don't tend to use that. So I think um, that has started changing just a little bit because as you said, you know, Office JS from Microsoft and, you know, Google Docs has their own set of APIs as well that let you sort of work with those documents. So I think those technologies are now evolving. A lot of them are now JavaScript based. So Office used to be, you know, when you think of Office development, it's like, oh yeah, VB macros. Um, and that's that was so long ago. Now you actually have Office JS with, you know, uh, basically APIs that are Excel specific. And I think they're up to 1.8 for Excel and 1.4 for Word now. So there's these legitimate JavaScript-based APIs that let you do all these cool things uh, that work in the browser and in the offline um, or on the desktop version, I should say. So uh, that combination, uh, you know, let's... I think is going to start making it cool again. So it's it's kind of been relegated to the background, but like with the evolution of the technologies, I think it's starting to become uh, cool and interesting again. And the, the, the use cases right now are still sort of specialized in niches, uh, but I, I think hopefully that grows over time because as the cool technologies are coming in, you know, more people will see that uh, and hopefully there's more applications for that. 
what do you wish it had that it that it doesn't to take it you know to the next level if um you know it's, it is still evolving right so i mean what's what's missing to get to that next yeah. stage where you know every every office application or every application you know becomes a vector for just completely malleable add-on data from a web service um so i think um there's um, some of the frameworks are, are coming by, but they're still pretty vendor specific. So, so maybe because um, Office JS has uh, you know Fabric UI and this ecosystem around it uh, that lets you do Office development. Google Docs has you know their own APIs that sort of takes you in another direction. So, if you want to deliver th- this thing as a concept, saying like, "Hey, I do Office add-ins, uh, regardless of Google or Microsoft," there's there's no sort of uh, common ecosystem for that right now it tends to be super vendor specific uh, and which is fine because there's you know zillions of office users and and just as, uh, almost not quite as many but several millions of google doc users as well so i think uh, those are fine populations to start with but if you could sort of have the application paradigm emerge with its own ecosystem saying like hey the concept here is to present an add-in into um you know, an office document, be it Google or Microsoft, if that kind of thing starts to take off, um, that would be cool to see. And I think that could sort of give a shot in the arm to this. So that's going to be your side project, right? You know, open source that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be fun, actually. Yeah. You know, just a set of uh, the universal that. But I'm, I'm, office <laughs> plug-in uh, infrastructure. So let me... Let me let me pivot a little bit. You you have run big engineering teams. You've grown engineering teams. Um, big topic around, you know, almost every conversation I have is like, geez, how do you scale engineering? Um, you know, it's 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 different, and it you know it has it's just such a critical function now. There's so much coming together. Um, you know, thoughts and learnings from from your career. Um, sure, I, I think you know there's different dimensions to the scaling as well uh, is sort of been my learning because every time you're scaling something different it seems um so it's uh you know you never really stop scaling in that sense so it could be um you know core scalability stuff like okay you know reliability availability number of users that sort of technical scaling kind of stuff um scale up scale out you've got all these paradigms in place to do that kind of thing um, but then uh, on the team side, it's like, do I, how do I scale my processes? Uh, how do I scale my people <laughs> to think bigger and better as, uh, you know, as my application grows and things like that? So I think um, the key takeaway is like scale has, you know, a zillion different dimensions. And it's, um, it, it, most people sort of start with it on the technical side. But really the hard part to scale is, um, you know, my hiring process so that, you um, I am basically getting the same capability engineer, even when I'm not involved in the in the recruiting process, or you know somebody completely different is running it. So scaling and standardizing that process, um, making sure that the knowledge scales across your organization, so that uh, when you uh, the expectations for quality, for instance, um, or how an engineer might approach something, are relatively consistent for senior engineers. Uh, so those kinds of things tend to be the the people th- things are the harder things to scale, as you can imagine. Um, so so yeah, that's kind of been the key takeaway is um, 
the tech stuff tends to be easy after, you know, you've looked on Stack Overflow and read a few books and done all these things. It's like that part's the easy stuff, but getting um, the processes and, and people issues to, to scale, that's, that remains hard. Are there any resources you would suggest for the, the people angles? You know, I think that, like you said, there's a lot of resources that are standardized and centralized for the technical scaling. And it's pretty easy to Google that. The other yeah. stuff is more fragmented. And, you know, what what are the resources you would lean on there for people who want to learn that? Um, I think, um, I mean, a lot of that, I've been able to rely on just, you know, company culture type stuff. Um, so, um, you know, hiring the right kind of people, for instance, um, you, you want to make sure you have enough of your core team who's like similarly like-minded and uh, knows what to look for uh, and sort of knows how to drill down into the, the layers of understanding a candidate may have uh, about an issue and then sort of, you know, be able to do that properly. So I think, um, um, there's no sort of boilerplate resources there, but it comes down to, you know, have the canonical good engineers on your team uh, who can sort of seed um, the, both the knowledge and the culture and sort of, you know, make sure that that propagates through the, the core initial team. Um, so, so, yeah, resource-wise, you know, it, I probably can't point you to specific resources there, but um, ma- making sure that it's a, it's a consistent culture and, you know, one that values excellence in engineering, um, that's just start that right and then keep that flywheel going. <laughs> you know, it's a good luck and go get some experience, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's, it's, they say uh, experience yeah. is uh, recognizing mistakes when you make it again. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or insanity when you keep right. doing the same thing <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Something like that. Nob, thanks for uh, thanks for spending time with us and, and, and thanks for the insights today. Likewise, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening right. to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.